Hello, gang. This is Dan the Man from Dark Charm Media, and this is part of October's Halloween Hullabaloo. Next, Noxo Season 2, Episode 1. Don't go anywhere! If you dare. <laughs> Baltimore, Maryland. Havoc. Chaos in the streets. This is Noxo. Case Files of Joshua Chambers. A crime drama set in the heinous world of the Dark Charm universe. And I thought my life was bad as a detective? Try being captain for a bit, and you'll find out that you have a whole new ball game to deal with. After Captain Graff's death and Karen's transfer to Howard County, I was taken off by normal duty and a new team of detectives came into my unit. This didn't mean, however, that I'd become a desk jockey. I came out on cases that needed my attention, or that the detectives needed guidance on. On the butt crack of dawn on January 1st to New Year's Eve, there was a call to 911 from a rave-style party in Federal Hill at a place called the 8x10. When the boys in blue showed up, they had found 15 dead bodies, all hacked to pieces as if they were slaughtered by wild dogs. All of the partygoers were strung out on ecstasy, or so we thought, so they were very vague about the details about what happened. One of my detectives who arrived at the scene, Cole Jackson, gave me a call. The story he gave me didn't quite seem right, so I got out of my warm bed, because I work in the mornings now, and met him in Federal Hill. As my Ford Focus pulled up to the club, my Escalade was being used for baby duty ever so often now, I noticed that the crowd of people seemed to be dazed and confused for more reasons than one. All I kept hearing about was an angel of death. That made me a little curious, but I still needed to be objective. Jackson was standing outside, and the look on his face was of frustration as he was taking notes on the case. Good. That's exactly what I would have done in his situation. I got out of the car and walked up to him. He noticed I was there and met me halfway. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Glad you're here. A little quieter, please. I haven't had coffee to keep me up for this. I ain't got any, but there's a McDonald's right over there. I grunted as I waved off that notion. Tell me what details you have. Take me step by step, then we'll look at the bodies. I'm hearing talking about an angel of death? What is this all about? Jackson sighed as if this was his first case. 
This surprised me because he was a seasoned veteran of the force for 10 years, so this wasn't his first rodeo. Get this, the 911 call came in to dispatch 12 minutes to midnight. Police were on the scene five minutes later. That's a good reaction time. Even if they were at the Inner Harbor, the people would have slowed them down. It's also not particularly a spacious area anyway. Well, most of the eyewitnesses have uh, said almost the exact same story, but with the amount of ecstasy and other drugs flowing through this joint, I'm not really sure what to believe. They sent a bunch of savage-looking creatures, almost wild dogs looking like, came in and started to rip up dancers and partygoers to shreds all the same. In the middle of the screams and evacuation of the building, these same people saw an angel with black raven wings and a large sight. What? Sorry, continue. Right. This angel then proceeded to hunt down the dogs and save the rest of the people, and then it guess it it disappeared. Like yes. into thin air disappeared. I'm surprised, not deaf, I said as I dove into my pocket. Do me a favor and go to that McDonald's you talked about and grab you and me a coffee. I want to take a look at this myself, and I think the caffeine will edge out your nerves. I handed him a couple of dollars. His face was that of a dejected puppy dog, but he did what I asked of him. My focus became the dance hall. I walked inside and was greeted by the smell of Cap'n Crunch, berries, and stale liquor. Vapes. I'll never get it. Thank God the DJ or the light operator turned off the strobing lights, or my already existing headache would have gotten worse. The forensics guy had the corpses laid out for me quite neatly. The blood washed over the floor in buckets. There was a residue, however, that seemed to throw it off. Not that I totally rely on the eyewitnesses of people strung out on God knows what, but many questions began popping up in my brain. Where are the bodies of the supposed dogs that were killed? All that is here are people. What is this residue that's mixing with the blood of the dead bodies? I put down my kit and opened it up, pulling out a pair of gloves and then standing up once more to get the lay of the land. There were no significant messages from the corpses and no detailed way that they were placed as they fell at random. All of them had gashes and slices that indicated something hideous and did indeed make these marks. But dogs? I don't think so. Not even Rottweilers or Dobermans could have done this. It's a shame. I heard startling me from behind. A man dressed in all black with a large dark overcoat and a dark slicked back hair walked up to me. I turned to him. It is. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to look at this further, Mr... I'm Agent Jason Stark, and I'm looking into this matter. He pulled out a badge, but not one I'd ever seen before. But that didn't mean anything. Feds change their badges and add new agencies all the time. He put out his hand to shake mine, but I didn't bite. This was a bit off, even for me. I was puzzled. I'm Captain Joshua Chambers, and I didn't know the feds were being called in on this. There are strings killings going on in the area, and I've been tasked to find out what is causing them. I knelt back down. Well then, Agent Stark, what do you see here? He paused and looked over the bodies. Twelve individuals, all of which are a mix of male, transgendered, and female, cut with many lacerations to the body. Take the cause of death, exsanguination, or extreme blood loss. 
first victim was the bouncer, Clyde Mayfield, on the outside who tried to keep them from coming inside. We had found poor Clyde. He was ripped to shreds as well, but no one outside of the club mentioned anything about the dogs. They said people did this, not animals. Something didn't add up. This fed knew what he was talking about, but where's the dirt? Where's the culprit? Any idea who or what caused this? Stark looked closer. Do you see these marks? They were created by claws, but not those of canines or felines. These resemble bird talons. Bird talons? I asked. That was a new one. You're saying giant birds did this? Eyewitnesses says they saw wild dogs. The agent shrugged. People see what they are forced to see sometimes. Drugs out of the mind make people see what really isn't there. Maybe they were big wild dogs, but these claw marks are distinct from anything in the canine kingdom. I pointed to the residue on the floor. What do you suggest made these piles on the floor? The eyewitnesses, strung out or not, all said they saw these wild dogs being killed by an angel of death. <laughs> an angel? Yes. Of death? <laughs> what did it have, big raven's wings and a scythe? He joked as I stood up and looked him square in the eyes. That's exactly what they said they saw. Something made me feel uneasy staring into Stark's eyes. They seemed darker than normal. Maybe it was just my exhaustion, or maybe there was more to it than I realized. I ignored my feelings. Captain. Agent Stark walked toward me and pointed outside. This was a rave. No doubt people were strung out on all kinds of drugs, and they thought they saw something more than what they actually did. Whatever did this had come and went swiftly. I smirked. Very well then, Agent Stark. You seem to have all this wrapped up, but you still haven't responded to my question. What is this substance on the floor? Hmm. Cocaine? I knew then that the agent was not as smart as he presented himself to be. Sadly, being very late for me, I laughed at him. <laughs> no way. There is no way that anyone, regardless of death, would leave that much cocaine on the floor. That's money right there. He looked at me as if he wanted to punch me in the face. Well, whatever it is, I'm pretty sure your diligent police force can figure it out. Stark walked out of the building curtly. I bent back down as I got back to my work. Motherfucking prick, I muttered under my breath. I pulled out a collection vial and pinched some residue into it and sealed it. The door opened as Cole Jackson finally came back. Well, Captain, my captain, here's a coffee. I looked at him, noticing that the coffee didn't in fact come from McDonald's. That was quick. Where did you go? I walked to a place called Spoons. It's uh, literally down the street. You can see the sign. I was surprised it was open hours this late, but I guess they knew they were going to get a bigger crowd and wanted to stay awake. I stood up and walked away from the scene to doctor my coffee how I liked it. That's one thing I loved about Cole Jackson. The man prepares for everything. I took a sip of coffee. I marveled at the taste. Wow, this is pretty good. Hey, did you see that guy when he came back? You mean the pasty white dude in the black... I got into the gray Honda and uh, went down Cross Street. That guy? Uh, that was a bit of detail, but yeah. Well, he flipped the scene like a bat out of hell, Captain. I thought deeply. Why would he just leave like that? He wasn't a suspect. What was he chasing? I took another sip and said, 
Yeah, apparently he's a Fed. A Fed? The hell did he want? He was following up on other cases like this, but I haven't heard or seen anything on the wire about things like this. Maybe it's selective to the district, but you would think there would be a connection. He thinks that whatever caused this wasn't wild dogs, but large birds. Jackson's eyes widened as I told him this. Large birds? They had to be the size of fucking ponies to do that type of shit, and there is nothing like that native to Baltimore. I would know. I watched Discovery Channel. Now that don't make any sense, Captain. I put a hand on his shoulder. I know. That's why we're going to analyze this the right way to get the right answer. I know this sounds like a going off on a tangent, but working in the same office as Captain Graff seemed a little unnerving. His memory was prevalent in this room, even though none of his belongings were here. I did keep a picture of us when I got my medal, though. I sit and stare at it often. A few days of no sleep later, I got a call from Dr. Guff from the lab while working in said office. I picked up the receiver. Captain Chambers, how can I help you? Captain, it's Dr. Guff. Uh, I've got reports to send you in regards to the 8x10 club. Why call me? You could have just sent them. Well, there might be a need of clarification that I need to address with you. You see, the, um, the samples of blood were tainted with something we can't really place. Was this the residue that was all over the floor? Oh, no, that was easy to decipher. That was carbon. Straight up ashes. Ashes? Like from something or someone who could decay matter or burn it would turn a bunch of wild dogs into ashes. Just sent the report, Dr. Guff. I'll call if I need more clarification or anything. Okay, Cap. Goodbye. I hung up the phone and waited for the file to come to my email. I heard a knock at my door. I saw Cole Jackson and his partner Vernon Slade standing there with a bottle of water in his hand. What do you two want? Well, we got some wonderfully interesting information we wanted to share with you. I motioned to the two detectives. Come on in and have a seat. I have something pertaining to your case coming in from Guff. Slade sat first. Where Jackson was a 10-year veteran, Slade was a hotshot rookie detective. Passed the detective exam on the first try almost clear out of the academy. He had never spent more than two months in the Baltimore Blue. He was eager, and he had a lot of hubris, but in a city where crime was a huge issue like this one, we needed all of the help we could get. Agent Jason Stark doesn't exist. At least not with the FBI or the CIA. We did a cross-reference. Called some guys we knew in Washington. You know, guys who could verify. Not only do they not have a Jason Stark on the books, they've never even heard of the guy. Could this be an alias for undercover work? None. No aliases, no nicknames, no nothing. It gets weirder, Captain. I tried to look him up in the National Registry. Dude has no fingerprints, no identity, no social security number, nothing on record that states that this man even exists. Except for this California driver's license, which expired three years ago. How did he get a driver's license without a birth certificate? He has one of those, right? I asked. Jackson opened his water bottle and sipped. He replied, Well, if there is one, it's not on record. There are several Jason Starks in the United States, but none of them work for the federal government. I got an alert from my email stating that Guff had sent the information. I clicked on the information and downloaded it to my computer. I just got the report, boys. Stick around. Slade grinned. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Jackson tapped him on the back of the head as a form of Ooh, admonishment. Down boy. People died that night. We're trying to get justice for him. 
Slade peered up at his veteran partner in confusion. Jackson stared at him with daggers in his eyes. At some point, I'm pretty sure that even though they work well as a team, I'll have to pry them off of each other in a fight, sooner rather than later. Some partnerships are brought together by love, and others are brought together by contention. I clicked the print icon on my computer and printed the report as sheet after sheet of paper spewed out of my printer in my office. Slade picked it up off the printer and handed it to me, without even looking at it. Here you go, Captain. I looked at it carefully as I analyzed every detail. I chuckled. He might not be real, but he was dead on with the cause of death. Claws that were akin to talons of a bird. But there's something else. Others were sliced open with a razor-sharp blade. Sliced open like a razor blade, and more like the blade of Versailles. I'm just saying, Captain. Bingo. So there's a fucking angel of death killing those things? Keep in mind, the eyewitnesses saw an angel. Doesn't mean that that's what actually did this. The toxicology reports state that there was a high level of narcotics and hallucinogens in the partygoers. Even the dead ones. I said as I tried to calm the rookie. I couldn't possibly tell him the truth in this matter. Well, what else did they get? Did they test the residue? It was organic carbon residue. Ashes. Huh? You heard me right. I said there was a bunch of ashes all over the floor and on some of the corpses. Did someone have, like, an urn or something and spill somebody's grandfather all over the place? Ashes. Alright. What are our orders? I leaned back in my chair. I had some leads I wanted to run on this one, but I don't think that Jackson or Slade could handle what is truly going on. Slade, I want you to continue to monitor activity where Jason Stark has shown up in other parts of the state. I want to talk to your partner alone. Wait, was it something I did? I waved him off. No, you're fine, Rook. Just wait outside my office. Slade got up like a dejected puppy after he has been told that he was a bad boy and left the office. Jackson, who didn't sit down prior, finally sat down. This is ridiculous, Josh. Jackson was the only other person who could call me by my first name, and I didn't mind. Tell me something, Cole. After hearing what I just told you, what do you think happened? What I think a cover-up, that's what I think. Didn't want to go on a conspiracy theory tangent, but I felt that Jackson was heading in that direction. Do tell. <sighs> Alright. Look, Captain. The perp wasn't there to save people. He was there to kill people. He killed these uh, uh, beasts, if you will, then proceeded to slash whoever survived. Did any of the ones with the throat slashed have any drugs or alcohol in their system? Anything we could trace? I perused the report and nodded. The ones slashed had minuscule amounts or no drugs or alcohol in their system. Okay, well that proves my point. And where was the DJ in all this? I was proud of him. The DJ was nowhere to be found after the incident for questioning. That's a great question. Get right on it. Find out who it was, and find out why they left or even know what happened. Jackson stood up to walk out of the office. I stopped him. Hey Jackson, be cautious. We don't want to spread rumors of an angel of death showing up in Federal Hill, especially with all the sightings that occurred last year. 
I want to try and instill more hope into this city, if possible. I don't think we're dealing with the same angel, but... Okay. He closed my door, and I waited for them to walk away from my office before I picked up the phone again. I dialed a new friend who would possibly be able to shed some light on this new development. A familiar female voice answered on the other line. Hello, Calliope? I have something we need to talk about. Can we meet up? In the cast you heard, for Bittersweet Symphony, Dan Mac McCloskey, Miguel Pedroza, Ferd Burfel, Danny Atwell, and Robert Hunter. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Effects by Zapsplat.com. Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve.